WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WYC studios in Soho. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Whether you're listening on the radio, live streaming, or on demand, I'm grateful you're here. On today's show, Ben Okri joins us. The British-Nigerian Booker Prize-winning novelist has a poetry collection being released in the U.S. for the first time. It's called A Fire in My Head. It includes poems about recent racial justice protests and the Grenfell Tower disaster. He joins us to discuss and has agreed to read some poetry, so that's a huge treat. Historian and author Susan Wells will be with us to discuss her book, An Assassin in Utopia, the true story of a 19th century sex cult and the president's murder. It's about the Oneida community which was first formed upstate New York in 1848 and intended to be a liberating utopia. The reality was much darker. And yes, there's a silverware connection. And the Frick Collection has temporarily moved one block east and four blocks north to the Brewer. Plus, it's now free for kids 10 to 17. We'll speak with curator Amy Ang. That is our plan. So let's get this started with a reimagining of a classic play perfect for Women's History Month. Lady Macbeth, Blanche, Seeley, Martha, those are some of the most revered stage roles for women. And now Academy Award winner Jessica Chastain is taking on another legendary character, Nora, the protagonist of A Doll's House. The 1879 work by Henrik Gibson was radical for its time, causing a stir with its proto-feminist themes and portrayal of the constraints marriage can place on women. Now, with a new adaptation from Amy Herzog and paired with with staging from director Jamie Lloyd, this centuries-old play feels like it could be set in 2023. A quick plot review. It's been a long time since lit class for some of us. Chastain's Nora is a chatty, determined woman who is devoted to her children and her doting and slightly condescending husband, Torvald. They've had money struggles, but a recent promotion for Torvald means some comfort. Nora won't have to count every penny before buying the kids Christmas presents. But Nora has a big secret. Years ago, she forged documents on a loan to pay for her husband's medical care and now is being blackmailed by the bank associate who looked the other way. And yes, he works for Nora's husband and will rat her out unless Nora helps him get a better position. With seemingly nowhere to turn for help, Nora becomes increasingly desperate in her search for a way out. A Doll's House is running at the Hudson Theater through June 4th, and I'm joined now by playwright Amy Herzog. Hi, Amy. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having us. And fresh off her SAG win for George and Tammy, it is Jessica Chastain. Jessica, nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Happy to be here. So, Amy, what was something from the original DNA 
of the original play that you knew you wanted to maintain? And then what was something you really thought would be interesting to evolve? Well, I've loved the play for a long time, and so I didn't approach it in a kind of radical revisionist way. I think there's so much that I wanted to honor about the complexity of the characters and the the depth of the relationships. Um, In a way, I think what I wanted to reapproach wasn't so much what Ibsen wrote as the way it's been interpreted and understood um, for the last, you know, century and a half or whatever since he wrote it. so it it wasn't like I had to reinvent it so mm-hmm. much as kind of reinvestigate some of the things that were already there. And for me, that really meant looking at the way Nora wasn't just a victim of circumstance and a victim of her time, but an active participant in the system that she was was born into and, and was living in, um, and a really canny, smart, interesting, funny um, person who who made the most of her circumstances and for whom it worked for a really long time until it didn't, which I think is a fresher way to think about the ways women are limited, um, not you know just by outside circumstances, but but also by mm. the decisions that we make, which may have certain benefits, but um, ultimately can trap us. Jessica, your work as an actor starts before the play even starts. Mm. You come on stage and you're seated in a chair on a circular revolving stage for people at home trying to picture it's like a very slow merry-go-round kind of, um, but it's a very sparse set. Um, and you're out there for a good 15 minutes before mm-hmm. before the show starts. Um, how does that prepare you for this, Nora? How does that prepare the audience for this, Nora? Wow, it's, it's a fascinating exercise um, when thinking about it. I mean, it's interesting for the audience to see Nora in the space as though she's been in this house for a while. Uh, and, and what I do is when I'm sitting in the chair, I'm really trying to connect to the audience, which is not mm-hmm. something normally done in theater. Uh, you know, in the past, I've had this fear, this nervousness of people like seeing me or <laughs> whatnot. And I'm, I'm out there and I'm sitting and I'm actually really looking at everyone. And in some sense, what I've noticed is it's created the space. They can see me, but I can also see them. I'm mm-hmm. all, you know, we're doing it together and it feels like you know Jamie Lloyd has this exercise where he creates a grid for the actors where we all feel connected energetically and that goes on to the the stage and the performances but what it does with when I'm looking at the audience I'm connecting to the audience energetically so they mm-hmm. become part of the performance and it's interesting in watching the audience react because at first everybody wants to take your picture mm-hmm. and then that goes away mm. pretty quickly after and it's and you're wondering like what is going on with this character? Yeah. What is she doing on stage? Well, what I'm trying to do is I'm also thinking uh, in terms of Nora as I'm looking out there, for the for the women and also the men. Like mm-hmm. who all who else is Nora in their circumstances? Who else is in some sense playing a part to become palatable to others, and in doing so aren't you know experiencing their own authentic truth? So I'm really connecting to everyone so they feel like they're going to go on this journey with me. Amy, you've worked with Jessica before on HBO's Strange Scenes from Marriage. Um, When you were working on this adaptation, did you have this actor in mind? Yeah, we were actually just talking about this. Um, (laughs) Jamie and Jessica approached me to write uh, the adaptation earlier last year. And so I knew it was for Jessica, which was mm-hmm. a, a huge gift because it was um, it, it was so concrete and real in my mind, this, this Nora. It wasn't just like an abstract Nora. It was Jessica's Nora, which I could picture having worked with her. That's interesting. So you have this, this, a little bit of a head start in a way, because you know Jessica's voice, you know her personally, you know her the way she works. So after that head start, 
then what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gosh, I mean, you know, I just I had a a really like, um, like woo woo kind of process, I have to say that I, I felt like I was communing with Ibsen, which sounds really ridiculous. But I really, I I felt as I was working with this literal translation, which was prepared by um, Charlotte Barsland, because I don't read Norwegian, um, like I was trying so hard to, um, to understand with every line what it was that Ibsen was trying to do. And as I got deeper and deeper into the play, I felt more and more like I was able to do that and um, and then was just trying to make the language as immediate and contemporary as possible and eliminate as many obstacles to people connecting to the play as possible. Jessica, in this version, I, this was fascinating to me that the action is never acted out. Mm. That the men are supposed to smoke cigars, but we never see them light cigars. We never see them put their hands up to light cigars. You play with your children. We never see the hide and seek. Nobody hides. Nobody. We don't even see the children. We just hear them. Uh, for an, as you, an actor, what challenges does that pose, and then what opportunities does that afford you? Well, I, you know, I had seen uh, some of Jamie Lloyd's work. You know, I saw Sereno, which was fantastic oh, yeah. with James McAvoy, um, and uh, he, I think he's so incredible at looking at these plays that, in the past, are, in some sense, are performed as museum pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, corsets and petticoats and all, and fan work and and all of that, and saying, okay, why are we doing it today? How are how does this affect us in this moment? How does it affect every person in the audience? Um, are we able to hold up a mirror and saying, yes, this was written almost two hundred years ago, uh, but why is it still relevant? And and you know, it becomes the stakes become higher because it is still relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that, his whole um, way of working is to simplify, simplify, simplify. And that's the note he usually gives me. It's like simplify. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is it it just gets me out of my own way. So what I can do now is I can speak, you know, Amy's incredible uh, adaptation and dialogue and and connect with the other actors on stage and also connect to the audience in in many ways because we're all telling the story together and then there's nothing in the way there's no fan work there's no petticoats Mm -hmm. it's 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 just the reality of what are we playing now what is happening in this moment yeah there's no um you all look like you could be going to a gallery opening (laughs) everybody's in black and very modern and and i thought about that the costuming because so often when i interview actors they talk about the costuming and the hair Mm. can really help them get there but in this case well maybe it does help you get there because maybe you're there is different than what norma has nora has normally been i definitely feel more exposed it's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing as an actor it's it's very scary what he's created because you can hide behind tricks in other ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you can hide behind your props or your food. I mean, that's a big joke we all have when we're making movies. It's like food eating, food acting <laughs> is like the easiest <laughs> acting because you really don't, you just say your lines and you eat. And it's like you don't have to think about what you're doing. Or, you know, when you have a prop, it kind of get, takes you away from yourself. But in this sense, with the costumes, with the set, with the, you know, how Jamie is staged it all, it's just you. And if you are not... In the moment mm-hmm. of what your character is going through, the audience is going to see it. So it's it's incredibly exposing. It feels like by simplifying, it's like a stripped down version where you can't hide. We're discussing A Doll's House, which is at the Hudson Theater through June 4th. My guests are playwright Amy Herzog and actor Jessica Chastain. Amy, we see Nora seated in this chair almost the entire performance 
What is it that has Nora feeling so trapped? Is it the financial situation? Is it the culture? Is it her own sense of her limitations? Hmm. I mean, I think it's all of the above. And I also think that the chair gesture that you're referring to is also um, open to interpretation. I'm not sure if it's just about feeling trapped. Um, there's also for me just this the incredible presence of Nora so so close to you um, mm-hmm. and so available to the audience the whole time. Um, but yeah, she's trapped by you know these plays that were written in the 19th century do have this this really kind of sturdy um, structure and dramaturgy and there's a, a very tightly wound plot that um, where Nora's um, avenues out of her problem are getting fewer and fewer as the play goes along. So um, I think that's a big part of it. But yes, absolutely. She's trapped by the by the marriage, by the mores of the time, by the expectations of women. And then on top of that, what we've been so interested in is, is by the choices she's made and the de- decisions she's made to participate. When we first meet Nora, Jessica, is she, how does she feel about her marriage? Oh, I think when she, we first meet Nora, she's content, Mm -hmm. you know, she's cheerful, she's content, Uh, she's not aware of the choices she's made or, or, or the situation she's really put herself into, and that's what's so exciting about the play. As it goes on, she becomes more and more aware. I mean, there is a moment when we first meet her, she's content, but also... You know, Torvald says in the very first scene, what's going on with you today? Mm -hmm. There's something brewing, um, which also is very exciting because it's not just these external forces that change Nora. Nora has already started to simmer and become aware of something Mm -hmm. that she's not even conscious of. But she's also someone who, when we first meet her, and it was interesting, it was hard for me to memorize the lines for the first 20 pages. And I kept thinking, like, why am I having so much difficulty with this? Um, and I came to the realization, well, the, that, that part of the, the play, she really isn't herself. I mean, in every scene, every character that she comes into contact with, she is trying to be what she imagines they want her to be. And she's trying to be as pleasing and as likable um, so they will give her what she wants. And whether whatever that is, mm-hmm. um, she's try- she is giving them a version of herself that she thinks is the version they want to see. And that's why it was so difficult to memorize those lines yeah. because it never felt like it was truly her. Amy, the person who's blackmailing Nora is played by Oak I never get his last name right. Um, I don't Thank you. <laughs> yes, he's been on the show before. People know him as the original Hercules Mulligan and James Madison and Hamilton. And I, I wondered this. I don't know if you wrote it this way. Obviously, he's an African-American man. Um, and he makes clear the mistakes he made, which are similar to the mistakes that Nora makes, have a huge consequence for him and might not for her. I don't know if that was part of your rewriting it. I don't know if that was part of the casting. I was just very curious if you had, if the race conversation came into it. Right. Um, in writing it, no. In in writing it, I did not know how Jamie would cast it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the casting conversations were fascinating. And I think um, what Oak is doing is, is hugely exciting and that, this to me is the most is a sort of um, most sympathetic and deepest Krogstad I I've seen because mm-hmm. he uh, it's so clear the way racism has impacted the course that his life has taken and perhaps he did make a mistake but it's not a mistake that that Nora hasn't made um, and it is a mistake that has had these these huge consequences for him um, and I think in his playing of it there's a way that um, 
the the character can function as a kind of um, like mustache twirling Victorian villain because he comes in and he threatens the heroine and he's the reason that her life falls apart. But I, I think you can't you can't watch Oak's performance and the way Jessica is is working with Oak and not feel like these are two people who are essentially the same who have been treated entirely differently by society. And I think that that's a layer that in a way is there in the original um, text, but. Mm-hmm. Um, lives very differently in our 2023 production. But it's it's fascinating when you say this, too, because when you're bringing race into it, but also bringing gender into it, mm-hmm. because it's very clear when they say a woman cannot borrow without the permission of her husband. Mm-hmm. So a woman doing something illegal, like forging a signature, is very extreme. And if she is found out, I mean, she even contemplates ending her own life. Mm-hmm. So it is for, in some senses, they both committed a similar mistake, but they both understand that society and the people in power work against them. And when they first meet, or we see them first meet, you are playing with Oak and you are back to back. Mm. What is that like to have to play such <laughs> an intense scene with your scene partner? No eye contact, oh, it's so no hard. physical <laughs> contact, and he's facing the other, he's I facing... Know. I know we, you know, it, it came to be because we were in a rehearsal and Oak did it. Oh, really? Yeah, he just tried. I mean, Jamie calls it drafts, where you know mm-hmm. the actors get to explore something, and we did one where Oak decided to sit like that in the scene, and I was like, "Well, that definitely can't happen, can it?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, um, I, you know, it's been, it's. Listen, he's so talented, and he, he told me he's done a lot of poetry readings where actually the audience can't see his face. And it you know you hear his voice, and you hear how expressive he is, and I can understand why he made that choice, and I can understand why people are responding so positively to it. But of course, you know, it's a, you know, I, as an actor, again, it's another situation where you're like, okay, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think a, a refrain we hear, I heard a lot in rehearsal was you saying to Jamie, I trust you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because he'd ask you to do these things that are so scary. technically challenging yeah. and unconventional and scary. But but always Jessica was, was ready to jump into it. <laughs> I imagine you have to listen differently when you can't see your scene partner. Well, you know, when you take away a sense, your other senses are heightened. Mm-hmm. And per that, perhaps that's why... Oak made that choice because it makes us really, you know, hear the words in a different way mm-hmm. is when we, when that's what that's what is available to us of that character. It becomes very strong what he has to say. We're discussing A Doll's House at Hudson Theater through June 4th. My guests are playwright Amy Herzog and actor Jessica Chastain. So we're feminists around here. We like to call it. <laughs> it's Feminist Friday all month. Um, uh, and it's the first week of Women's History Month. Jessica, what role, what do you think this play and the role of Nora has meant to women in theater? Mm. It's so fascinating to me because I was actually a late bloomer to this play. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in school, I was very angsty and I wanted to feel all the emotions and I was more drawn to a character like Miss Julie and, you know, Strindberg's Miss Julie. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this a little bit, how, you know, they, they wrote these incredible parts and they both, both these female characters come to the decision of, I have to sacrifice myself to save a man in some sense. And Nora and Julie make different decisions mm-hmm. at the end of the play. And I've decided as I've matured <laughs> <laughs> that I am so in awe of what uh, 
Ibsen wrote, because I find that in a lot of media, and you see it, I'm just, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest, you see it in a lot of Lars Van Tier, you know, cinema, mm -hmm. you see a lot of the, the stereotype of the woman as a martyr, you know, and how it's how noble it is that she, in some sense, sacrifices herself for others. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very, very dangerous thing to put in the media and for um, women to be trained to see. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly uh, inspired and very grateful to Ibsen for this, Nora. What do you think, Amy? Um, I, well, I agree with everything Jessica just said. I was also just reflecting how different it is for me to reapproach this play now that I have children mm -hmm. and understand, uh, you know, just the enormity of, of the decision Nora makes by choosing herself. Um, and it, it has also made me think, this is like maybe a little bit unrelated, but just of the way, the way Ibsen understood motherhood that... Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Nora playing with her children and how she she just plays with them all the time as though that's an inadequate form of motherhood. And to mm -hmm. me, playing is like the highest form of motherhood. So mm -hmm. I've had a new sorrow in reapproaching this play and seeing the ways that Nora connects to her children and the ways that that's completely unvalued, I think, not only by the world of the play, but even by the playwright who wrote her. Of course, in the original... Nora's choice is punctuated by a famous door slam. Please it's, don't give I'm going to stop you. I wasn't. I promise. I promise. <laughs> it still could be a door slam. It could just be something that, you know, we've heard, we've discussed how the staging is, is different and unusual yes. and modern. Um, my question is, was it always going to be different than the original? Amy. Oh, you know, that is a staging choice. I, oh, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, no, I can't take any responsibility for the for the thing that we will not name right now. <laughs> <laughs> for the way Nora goes. Yeah, no, my brilliant collaborator, Jamie Lloyd, um, is is responsible for, you know, there's just a big question when you approach this play. You know what? Uh, yeah, as, as Shaw said, the door slam heard, heard around the world. How, how are you going to recreate the shock of the original? Um, and so Jamie Lloyd, Jamie Lloyd found a way. <laughs> Jessica, what do you hope audiences after they see the show and they go for a cocktail or on their subway <laughs> ride home um, are thinking about? I was just saying this to Amy. My favorite reaction was from a friend of mine, uh, uh, a man who came to see the show. And he texted me the next day and he said, am I like that? I think I'm like that. And this is an he's an incredible person and, you know, very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And that to me is is a, a beautiful reaction. If you can go see any kind of you know, art, you know, theater, uh, paintings, you know, uh, any galleries, any, any kind of what I think finds so moving and I'm so thankful for having a life that works in art is hopefully it inspires you to examine yourself and examine your life and examine the possibilities of what life could be um, and your life almost as a dream. And so the idea that people could come see our show and the women can ask themselves, am I Nora? The men can ask themselves, am I Nora? But people can also ask themselves, am I Torvald? And this idea that it forces you to look at yourself and wonder, am I being the most authentic version of who I am? I think that's really exciting. A Doll's House is at the Hudson Theater through June 4th. My guests have been playwright Amy Herzog and actor Jessica Chastain. Thank you for coming in today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank this, you. This is all of it. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. 
Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash WNYC and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.